Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, his name is Chase, and we have one simple goal each and every week, and that is to bring you the outdoors when you yourself can't be in the outdoors. Now that I say that out loud, I don't know that you yourself is even a real grammatical way of going about it, so at this point I'm going to pitch it to Chase, and, and hopefully you can salvage this intro. How you doing, buddy? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, I was a little disappointed I wasn't able to make the Catman episode that everybody got to uh, listen to this past week. Uh, it was a real good episode. I enjoyed just being a listener of the podcast uh, for that episode. <laughs> uh, I always like uh, to hear Catman, so he just seems like a great dude, somebody that you'd, you'd love to share a deer camp with. So I thought that episode was great. Uh, I actually went out turkey scouting yesterday, got a little bit of good at intel. But I'm telling you now, if you don't have one, you need to invest in an e-bike. It just makes the scouting process just that much more enjoyable. <laughs> you can cover so much more ground. I should probably be telling people not to get e-bikes because yeah. it'll just be more competition out there. And I was out there with my buddy. We both have e-bikes. And we it's like the whole time we're just like bannering back and forth with each other. It's like, oh, man, this is awesome, dude. These things are These things are so great. Uh, just <laughs> just going from spot to spot like you have ac and it's not cold in florida right now i mean yeah. it was 80 something degrees uh so it's it those those things are awesome but yeah i'm just uh getting ready kind of getting excited about turkey season it's creeping in on us here we got a few more weeks but it'll be here before we know it and i know you're just super excited about uh turkey season and, oh, uh, I mean, launching yeah. YouTube videos or intros <laughs> and all of that good stuff. So it's coming. It is. It is. You know, 18 days as of today until turkey season. I am taking a youth seven days before that. So technically I'm under two weeks uh, to, to for my first turkey hunt this year. And I am I am amped up beyond all belief. And I'll tell you what right now, if anybody listening to this has got an in with an e-bike company, y'all need to shoot me a message directly because I am sick and tired of hearing Chase talk about how <laughs> wonderful it is to use an e-bike. <laughs> I get messages like, e-bikes are the best, and I'm out in the woods sweating my butt off. I'm like, God, this guy just rubs it in. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, dude, this is an exciting time of year for sure because, you know, I just dropped the the teaser trailer for, for this upcoming turkey season. Season, which is, uh, you know, the, we're going to title that series "The Hunt for pa for Pavo Macho." Um, Pavo Macho is Spanish for the gobbler or or gobbler in general, and so we're going to have a fun time bringing you that as it happens. Um, I'm going to, I've got, uh, let's see, I've got a GoPro for my shoulder. I've got a Tacticam, courtesy of Bowhunter Chronicles, uh, to go on the on the barrel. I'm going to borrow that, see if I like it, and then I've got my camera. It looks like I've fixed my camera uh, as well, and so. Uh, I am taking a camera, cameras, plural, 
every hunt, rain or shine, does not matter. And I'm going to bring that to you uh, as it happens. Chase is, uh, I'm certain, even with all his schoolwork, he is still going to get outside and, and, and turkey hunt as well. I, I can't see him uh, letting turkey season pass him by. But uh, check out the channel. Go check out that intro I put together. I think it's a, it's a fun little teaser trailer. And, uh, you know, subscribe to the playlist. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Along the lines of turkey, and then we'll wrap that up because today's episode isn't about turkey, we dropped a shirt. It is the first Chasing Tales shirt, Chase. Um, we've got a bunch of orders in already, and, and here's what we've done. Um, last year was my first year turkey hunting. When I started off the season, the calling was horrendous. I didn't know what I was doing. It was terrible. I was just squawking, and I and I lucked into killing a bird. By the time the, the season ended, I had put in a lot of hours. I sounded still horrendous, but less so, and... Uh, I felt like I could kind of like speak turkey because I ended up killing a bird and it felt like I was in control of my callings and uh, my calling sequences. And so what I did is I created a silhouette of that turkey hanging from the tree and I put across the top hobla gobla as if do you speak turkey. And so we're doing a pre-order that if you go to the channel you or to our Instagram or Facebook, you can see the shirt. Uh, we got a, a CT with a turkey print on the front. We're going to put Hobla Gobla and that turkey silhouette on the back. We're doing a pre-order. It is $20 shipped to your house. End of story, 20 bucks. It is ridiculously cheap. We are, we are just basically turning around and selling these things to you uh, straight. And uh, we just want to celebrate turkey season. So... Uh, shoot us a message if you're interested in one of those. We're going to do a pre-order until March 15th, and then we're going to do a big batch order as well, and uh, we'd love to get you in on that as well. It's a it's a cool-looking shirt. Yeah, it, it is a cool shirt. It was kind of fun, kind of talking back and forth, trying to decide uh, what the shirt was going to look like, what it was going to say. Uh, I think it yeah. turned out really well. Uh, we've gotten some good feedback on the shirt so far. If you're a member of the Patreon and haven't been on the Patreon or haven't looked at your email, you actually get a discount on the shirt and it's depending on your tier. So if you're mm-hmm. at the first tier, you get it for a certain price. And then if you're at the top tier, you, you really get it for a really good, good price. So don't forget that Patreon members. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, check it out to the Patreon, uh, post. I think, I don't remember what it's titled, but you can go back and see what your pricing is. Uh, based on your tier, just shoot us a message. We'd love to get you in on that pre-order. We're going to order a short, uh, a very small inventory list surplus. So if you miss the pre-order, you may still have a chance. Um, but there's no guarantee at that point in time because we're not trying to hold any inventory. We are, again, like I said, we are trying to celebrate uh, turkey season and everything that it's got going. And so uh, with that, the final topic of the day, Chase, you have assembled a terrific prize package for this upcoming Patreon quarter one giveaway. Why don't you tell everybody what we got? Well, the first thing we got is the Alps Outdoors Grand Slam turkey vest. Uh, I actually ordered one of these myself the other day uh, just because of the kickstand feature on it. Uh, That thrills me to death that it has a kickstand. Uh, Some people say, (laughs) yeah, well, it has a little bit of weight, but I mean, how much other weight are you really walking in besides a couple of decoys and calls uh, with the vest? So really, really love that vest. I'm going to be rocking that vest this year. And then courtesy of Longbeard Life, we have a pot call. I believe it's cherry wood with a diamond wood striker. And they also threw in five of their mouth calls. To me, that's a great prize package. Anybody, hopefully whoever wins, either they're already a a crazy turkey nut or maybe that'll get them inspired to get into turkey hunting. So if you're a Patreon member, you still got some time to actually sign up to be a Patreon member to be uh, entered in for this prize package that we're going to draw at the end of the month. Yeah, absolutely, man. And so that's just one of the one of the ways we say thanks. We just appreciate everything you guys do supporting this show financially. Uh, if you're interested in getting in on those giveaways, if you're interested in in um, you know our Marco Polo group supporting the channel, it's 15 cents a day to support the channel and all that money goes into production costs. We don't take a dime out of the business at all. Um, basically I tell people if you want to support the show, Patreon allows us to do more of it. And so, um, today's topic is actually deer hunting and this will probably be one of the last deer hunting episodes we do for a little while here. Um, at least with any consistency that is because Turkey season is coming, but we sat down with Bill Thompson of Spartan Forge and you'll recall we had him on the show in early September as he rolled out a revolutionary deer predictive software. And I'm not going to go into details about that because 
in the show notes. You can go back and listen to that episode, and you can also listen to him talk about it in this show. But it is a awesome software. We are very fortunate that Bill has agreed to partner with us. And so for 2021, we will be working with Spartan Forge. And if you'd like to save 25% on your order of Spartan Forge, use the promo code ChasingTales. That'll get you 25%. It brings the cost down to about 19 bucks for a year. And it locks you in at that price for life so long as you just keep renewing. So he goes on in the podcast to talk about how you know, you lock it in for 20 bucks. Now, if he implements everything that he wants to over the coming years, it'll climb up to 70 bucks. So you'll be saving almost 50 bucks a year right there off the bat. So uh, Bill's an awesome guest. And in this episode, we just kind of break down um, how the, how a, a year's or season's worth of feedback worked, some of the, the concerns that, that were raised, that were addressed. And then we talk about him and deer hunting. And th- there's a fair chunk of him recalling his season and everything that came with it. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it's going to be a great episode for everybody, a, a good refresher. I mean, deer season's still a little ways off for <laughs> everybody, unless you live in South Florida, then it's a lot closer uh, than everybody else. But I think that there's going to be there's a ton of cool features that are going to be coming down the pipeline that we haven't even talked about yet. And even talk of an actual app application for the phone, which I think everybody's looking forward to <laughs> for the most part. So you get to hear all that in the podcast. And Bill is just, a, he's a great dude. He's a guy that would give you the shirt off of his back uh, if yeah. he had to. So uh, it's always great getting to talk to him. And we're also hoping to do a Patreon live with Bill later. And he is going to go through a, a lot of the stuff that people may have questions on and even show a bunch of uh, the data that he actually gets to our Patreon members. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, man. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy the show. All right, guys, here's the deal. We have got a guy who I genuinely think has created the next great item for deer hunters. The, the, the thing that changes the way we approach the woods. I mean, I put this I put this item up there with the thermocell. I, I believe it is a remarkable tool that uh, can make you a better hunter. We've talked about it before. In fact, the last time we talked about it was back in September. It was the first episode we dropped in September. Dude, uh... We have got the creator of Spartan Forge back on the podcast. Man, thank you for 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 slumming it with us again. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I don't know. If, <laughs> I think it might be uh, the other way around, but uh, I appreciate the high praise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're if you're just joining us now, Bill Thompson is back, uh, creator of Spartan Forge, a software that Chase and I got to play with a lot last year. Got to observe it um, in the event. We actually have had a remarkable amount of gro- growth since September. So. Could you maybe give everybody like a 10,000 foot view, view of what Spartan Forge is? Yeah, sure. So the, on the 10,000 foot level, what, what we've done is using caller GPS data and a whole bunch of other types of data that I talk a lot more in our first podcast. And, you know, people can go back and listen to that, but I'm going to save you some time. What we've done is we've, you know, the way I've been telling people lately is we've, we've automated the instinctual reasoning processes that deer use for navigating the the woods. So uh, using all of this GPS data, what we've done is trained a few models. The model that's online right now is our wind model, which basically says during the daylight hours, this is where deer can be found. Um, We split that up into three types of movement and then three types of pattern. I'm sure we can talk that more later. And then our second model, which um, we're busy testing right now, is a where model that basically identifies on, it takes a 10,000 foot view of a map and says, here's on the map based on, you know, prior GPS studies and color deer data and other mechanisms that we've programmed in. Here's where we think you should be looking for sign and where there's topography and vegetation that's advantageous to deer hunting. Um, And that's, you know, the the two main thrusts that we have going right now. Um, and yeah, that's, I guess that's the quick down and dirty on what we've been working on for the past few years. Yeah, man. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to admit something and I told you this on the phone. So this is no, he's not hearing this for the first time, but I'm saying this in front of everybody else. I was supremely skeptical of Spartan Forge, not because of any other reason than there's a lot of predictive, uh, tools that have been created over the time. Um, and so as a hunter, uh, sometimes we don't get the best of products, and uh, maybe I've become a little pessimistic, but uh, I, I tend to let things speak to me through how they perform, not what they should do. 
uh, or what they say they can do. And man, every Chase and I talked about this. It seemed like every time we had uh, mature or big buck encounters, the app had predicted that they should be in that area when they should be in that area. There seemed to be a direct correlation. And while we're not data scientists or, or combing through thousands of data points ourselves, it seemed practically uh, to it seemed to practically predict to the T when those deer were moving where where they said they were and it, it, it was it, it was awesome to to see man I, I was really cool uh to compare and go back every time you know oh I had a big buck encounter go look and see what it said for that day and of course it was accurate yeah I mean uh, that skepticism is healthy I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had it um you know we I was reaching out to people for um pro staff relationships you know all through the season and most of it was done word to mouth, but you know, when I reached out to someone, it was basically, here's what I have. And all of them, I think had the same re- response that you did. Like, yeah, I'll look at this, but, um, they had been approached either by other companies in the past to plug something similar. And when I say similar, I mean, it predicts deer movement. Um, I think that's pretty much where my app and the similarities with other apps <laughs> that predict mo- deer movement end. um, but all of them said that exact same thing. I was skeptical. And then all of the, you know, all of our pro staffers that took it out, used it for the year, came back and said, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and all of them seemed to be in about the 70 percent um, accuracy. You know, we have some guys in our staff that are very uh, data driven and they, you know, collected every camera that they had, um, every every on, you know, every 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 visual confirmation that they had of daytime movement and lined it up against the, on the app and all of them kind of had the same, uh, uh, you know, the same, the same feedback you had, which is good to hear. And it, you know, it makes sense because deer are what are programming our network. So it makes sense that, you know, you know, they're animals, so nothing's gonna be perfect, but you know, 60, 70% of the time, if this thing's accurate, I think that's about as good as you can get with nature. So yeah, you know, I'm pretty happy about this. And, um, the, you know, the, as a result, you know, um, talking on podcasts like yours and with other guys and I'm talking to other pro staffers and people that we're bringing on board, they've all had that positive experience. So for us, you know, that's just more motivation for these next models that we're coming out with going into next season. Yeah. I mean, when I killed my last year in Georgia, I, at that point in time, having uh, jumped into cell cam, you know, frenzy this year and deer movement throughout the course of the year aligning Chase's buck in Chase, I think you killed your buck in what, late November, early December? Yeah, December. Or right. So by then we had two quality deer on the ground. I had been watching this. By the time I killed my deer, I pulled up Spartan Forge just to kind of hone where I was going and that very last hunt, you know, it said be on the transition line, uh travel corridor. Uh, rather, and that's where I went. And sure enough, everybody knows how that's played out. You know, I, I, I shot my, my second buck of the season there. So it was, it was really cool. And I think one of the reasons why I was willing to trust it really came back to the fact that you had Southern data. Um, and I don't want to belabor everything that we talked about in that last podcast, but I do just kind of want to frame the dialogue moving forward as to why it's relevant. Um, you had a huge, huge, uh, pool of data from South Carolina. And that kind of made me feel like somebody wasn't, you know, geotagging deer on the jury ranch and telling me when they're going to be moving that would be impacted by crops and things that were just un- irrelevant to me. Um, right. That, right. That was a, a big component. Um, what, what observations did you, did you, what kind of feedback did you get from people throughout the year as they use the app? Was there, are there any, um, any, anything that you're addressing in the, in the coming year, any tweaks that, that uh, are being made? Oh yeah. I mean, there's a ton. There's what was already on our, our path, which, you know, I, I being a hunter and a serious hunter, I knew we wanted these things. It's just, we had a roadmap and we, we needed to make sure as we were executing things that everything we were adding was tested and worked perfectly. So like the, the version of the app that people got this year was basically what we wanted to get from this was um, people's reaction on the prediction. So you know, I wanted to scrape away, you know, all the bells and whistles that were going to be added weren't on there. And, and really what I wanted to get was that, you know, reaction to how is this thing predicting for you in the field? Because, you know, in the military, we have a saying like no plan survives first contact. And that's another way of saying like when the bullets fly, your plans don't mean much. So that's kind of the thought process that I had going into this because 
you know, you can train the networks and you can get good recall and accuracy and forecasting and that type of stuff. And um, all of that's great, but it doesn't matter if hunters aren't seeing more deer. Um, so as, as we, as I understood that, and as I was getting that positive feedback, it kind of made me feel better about going forward with some of the other stuff. So, um, we've got a lot of stuff coming out, a lot of stuff I know we've talked about, and then all of the pro staffers, you know, our pro staff team and the recommendations that they make on what they want to see and how they want this to go forward, because this is a hunter's app, you know, this isn't coming from on high, this is being generated from the ground up. So um, what we have in the short term coming up here in the next few weeks, I'm, I'm testing it right now, is just you could call an expert scouting assistant. But basically what you're going to be able to do with it is you're going to be able to manipulate all of the weather data uh, that we have. And we have about 30 years of it. And you're going to be able to see the historical norms for every area. And then you're going to be able to look at historical um, predictions for these areas. So if you have cameras that are soaking somewhere for a year or two, like I know I do, I leave some cameras on public land for, I've had some out there for two years. Um, you're able to look at, you know, how well did the outfitter do in the past for these spots when it was predicting. Um, and then, you know, if you're seeing something on that camera where, you know, bucks showing up on certain days, you'll be able to go back in time and look at the, what the weather was on those days and what the, um, and what the uh, wind direction was, the barometric pressure, was there a storm system coming, any of those types of things that you can kind of use to uh, build your plan of attack for next year. So if you guys are planning on hunting somewhere next year, say it's Missouri or something like that, you've never been there, but you know, like the, ga the game refuge that you wanna go to or the WMA that you wanna go to, you can, you know, type in that WMA and then it'll bring you up that here's the last 30 years of weather. Then you can say, okay, I'm going to be there in the first two weeks of October. So I want to see the last week of September into the third week of October. You know, what are my weather trends um, for this area? And then that way, <clears throat> if you're going to be doing scouting before you go there, or if you're going to be doing some searching on, um, you know, cyber scouting on a map, you have a good idea of what the wind should be like, because, you know, as, as we're in the Northern hemisphere here, we have a prevailing westerly wind and then, that makes the weather throughout the wintertime in most places, not all places, very predictable. So if, you know, uh, in my area, for instance, it's, it's, a, it's a prevailing westerly or a northwest wind, you know, something like 40 or 45 percent of the time. So as I'm cyber scouting and I have that type of information, I can kind of pick out my uh, topo and vegetative uh, funnels and those types of things and then know my setups. So if I'm going there to scout or if I'm going there to, you know, do X, Y or Z, I have that. Um, and although that type of data is out there, it's not out there in a palatable fashion. It's not something that you can call up on your phone or on a, on a, on a, um, on a, on a laptop or a tablet. Um, but then you'll, you'll also be able to, um, store it moving forward. We'll also have like a hunter's journal that's going to come in there as well or come into play. So as you are, um, making these observations, whether you're on stand or you're sitting in front of a computer, looking at a deer camera, you're going to be able to you know, in an automated fashion, store a lot of these things and look at them uh, at a later date. So the Hunter's Journal will be later in the in the season. But I just mentioned that because I talked about the cyber scouting and the and the camera piece. So but what users can expect here in the next couple of weeks is going to be that historical weather portion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty excited about those things. And then as the summer progresses, we have bigger things that we're kind of working in the background that I'm going to be excited, to, you know, either come back on and talk with you guys about or um, or create some awareness in some other way, because I think we've got some really good things, um, you know, in the near term. That's awesome. I'm I am super, super excited about that journal feature because. I, uh, this is a habit that it was recommended to me for turkey season and I planned on carrying it over into deer and that is journaling every, uh, well, I'm not gonna do this for deer cause there's more of them, but in turkey hunting, I journal every hunt and the encounters and what happens. And, and typically speaking with turkey hunting, you tend to have more encounters, I think, than you do maybe at least in my area with deer. So I'm only going to, you know, journal encounters, I think of when I have deer, but maybe that changes with the ability of having it all stored in an app where, uh, you know, I, I can sit in the truck drinking my coffee after a, you know, a morning hunt and go, huh, you know what's funny? I saw six deer today. Let me go ahead and log that and just drop it in there, you know, and have it, have it build. I'm, I'm guessing it would build like a, maybe a trend, a trend, uh, analysis for the journal as well. Yep. That'll be something that'll be available on the common operating picture. The other cool thing will be, you know, if you are cataloging a deer camera and there's functionality like this out there, but, um, you know, we're going to be doing this for pennies. 
what you'll be able to do is just automated uh, an automated population of a data set based on when the camera was. So if you're looking at a picture of a big buck from last year or like a set of camera that you had soaking for a long time that you haven't picked up, you can enter that data and then it'll call the weather data and place, you know, moon phase, wind direction, all that stuff right on the screen for you. And then it'll be, you know, automatically tagged and saved in your hunter's journal. And then there's more stuff we'll be doing with that down the line. But for now, that's what people will be getting this summer with the outfitter um, and, and going into the fall. As I said, there's more coming. Uh, I just, like I said, I like talking about those things as I've been testing them out. And I, I hate to test something and say, you know, I got to go back to board on this. So as, as I talk about things, I'm talking about things that I, I know are tested and are ready to be put out there. Right on. I can see that. Chase, I have the I have the tendency in this relationship to just dominate a conversation without giving you a moment. So uh, do, do you do you want to do you have any questions you want to lead with before I just get to going? Well, one of the things I was kind of thinking about is where are you taking are you going to be taking information from us hunters as in like through our journals and stuff and using that information? So there's an instance where we could do that, but it's something I'm not going to do now with this first one. Like one of the things that I could do, and this might happen as we get more robust in the, um, in the, in the common operating picture or or like the interactive piece that you see online and how we upgrade that in the future. And one of the ways that I see that is, is that we could abstract um, all of a user's data away when they tag like a daytime photo of of a buck. Um, and then if it says private or public, and then we could use that to feed your local algorithm. Um, and then what, what we want to do for public land hunters is, is if you're a guy that doesn't have a ton of cameras in the woods because you don't, you don't, either don't have the time or the money, um, you'll be able to look at that sourced data um, as, a, as it's represented in a graph. So you could think about it this way. If you have a public land um, piece that you like to hunt and you're using the outfitter, you don't have any cameras on it, but there are, you know, seven or 10 users that are around that area that have cameras and um, they are populating the outfitter with pictures of uh, daytime bucks moving or seeking and chasing behavior, that type of thing um, as a regional activity in your area. They won't be able to see any of that data, but they will be getting reports of, you know, heightened buck daytime movement or deer daytime movement overall. That's not something we're doing on this first release. We're just getting the data in the buckets. Um, and then we'll look at in the future how we can use that data to help, you know, everybody um, together. So, yeah, that is a great question. It's something that we will do. And, but it's kind of like I alluded to before. It's, it's, on, the, it's on the path um, for things that we want to do. But it's, we won't be there this, this year. Right. Well, I was kind of thinking – the kind of like the accuracy, kind of like you were talking about, like 60, 70% accuracy. And I was wondering if you have found that maybe your app is like more accurate in Florida than Missouri or more accurate in New York or something like that, where hunters found it was like 50% accurate in New York, but it might be 90% accurate in Florida. Have you found any of that data? Yeah. So there are instances where we seem to be ranging between around 59 and 75% accuracy um, based on where we are, we are, as we ingest new data, but then as we, as we ingest, okay, so I, I should say this so it's not confusing. We get new data from somewhere. Um, I'm thinking of an instance where I got some Louisiana data. We'd never gotten data in Louisiana before. We tested the model at it, and I believe the model tested at like 61% or something like that across that, against that data. And then what we do is we segment, <laughs> about 10% of that data off and we, we keep it separated. And then we take the other 90% and we use that to train our model. And then what we see is there's a a tiny bit of a regression towards the mean, because what we're doing is uh, we are now educating the model on Louisiana specific deer behavior, which in Louisiana can be heavily impacted by flooding. And so the model learns that. And then, it applies about, you know, these are not the exact numbers and my, the, the data scientists that I work with would kill me if I said this. So I'm speaking generally right now that that will generally affect our model in, in a short in a short bit nationally. But for people who are looking up zip codes in Louisiana or looking up areas in Louisiana, it'll affect it probably like, you know, 20 or 30 percent more than it would 
you know, in other words, it's predict it's it's affecting the prediction model regionally closer to from where we got the data than it would be for like a New York deer or something like that because our models are regional um, and region um, and split up that way because what gets what get deer moving in some parts of the country is not what gets deer moving in other parts of the country. I'm sorry, I, I hope that doesn't it doesn't sound convoluted, but um, that, that's kind of the long and the short of that. Can we unpack real quick what that 60% number means, right? So it, sure. it, it made a prediction and was right 60%. That doesn't mean that uh, – does that mean a big buck was killed? Does that mean a big buck was seen? Can we break that down just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. No. So what that – so there's there's two ways that we measure success here. The first way is is that we segment out – so we, I get a bunch of GPS data from a university, and I segment out 10% of that data so that my model never sees it. Then I use the other 90% to train the model and say, here, drive patterns from this piece of data, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I take that and I and I train, retrain the, we retrain the model once we've learned pattern from that data. And then we take that 10% that the model's never seen, and then we say, okay, we, we draw some, we, we get some bell curves or we get some graphing data from it. So here's a day where it was... Um, they stayed in their core areas. Here's are the days where they stayed in or during daylight hours, they were found in their transition areas. And then here are the days where they were found all over the place. So a, a hunter could think of that as like, you know, they're driving to work one day and at like two fifteen PM, there's a field full of deer. It's like, okay, why did that happen? Like what were the the conditions that set that up? So that happened favorably so that those deer were out very early our model is recognizing the weather pattern and the topography and vegetative makeup of the areas where those types of events happen. And then it predicts for it. So then when I get brand new data in the future, especially if it's data where I have that's regionally close to data, I already have, I will just flat out test that data. So now I want to look at that data and say, where was the core area movement? What days were transitionary movement? What days were full range movement? And the system says, here are your days with, based on this zip code, here's what it thinks. And then we actually look at the truth data. When were those deer actually doing that? And we, and we measure how successful it was at guessing those days. Um, in this regard, the, the model is something around 65%. And, and we're actually seeing, as we ingest more data, we're actually getting higher into the uh, near 70% realm. Uh, and right now, I, I don't know the exact number today, but somewhere between 65 and 70% of the time, it's predicting correctly uh what the general deer is doing so i I hope that makes sense because it can become confusing it even gets confusing to me sometimes Uh, and then for the second point of contact i have someone like um garrett prawl who we work with he's on the spartan forge pro staff he will run tons of cameras and then he will catalog every daylight picture that he gets of deer and every time he sees deer in the appropriate area that the Spartan Forge app says it, they, will, they will they will be or when they won't be there. And then he just makes, he just, you know, jots it down. Every time we have a call, he'll update me on this data. And it was the same for him and his wife this last year. In fact, um, you know, he killed a stud of a buck on a day, you know, the Spartan Forge app had basically said, I, I, I believe I'll, I'll get this story right, but if I don't, you can I can reference the podcast where you can listen to him talk about this. But basically what he said was, it was supposed to be prime rut, but the app was saying there was going to be low movement. Um, so the first day, him and his wife stayed all day um, in some trees that they thought for sure there was going to be movement in, and they did not even see a deer. Um, and if the app is saying it's going to be low during peak rut times, it's going to be low. Like it's identified a reason why it's going to be low. And that was exactly their experience. Like they did not see a deer. So the second day they got up in the tree of this low day and they started the morning there. And it was like, as Garrett described it in his video, he's like, it was supposed to be like a pristine day. Perfect. Like all of the cards were there. They were expecting to see a ton of deer. It was a spot where they'd seen tons of deer in the past and they weren't seeing anything. So they decided, all right, we're going to get down and like try to get to like near a core area or try to find uh, some hot sign near some bedding. And that's what they did. They went and like just sat on the ground just as they were walking. They found like an area with some scrapes and they seemed fresh. So they just sat down and sure enough, right outside of a, a bedding area, there's a massive buck and he arrowed this buck on, I think November 9th or something like that. Um, 
And, and as he talked about in that podcast and other ones that we've done with him since then, he said, yeah, I mean, it, it, had I not been using that app, I would have been sitting up in a tree somewhere, you know, in a funnel expecting to see tons of deer. Um, and instead, because it said it was going to be a core area day, I decided to get to as close to those core areas as possible and then it made them successful. So that that's the second way we measure success. And all of the pro staffers that we've worked with who who are who are cataloging this data, I'll come back and say, yeah, the app's about, you know, between 60. And even there's a guy we deal with in Georgia. His name is Bo Lice. And I believe he was saying something like 70 or 75 percent of the time. And this guy runs a ton of cameras and he is like the quiet professional when it comes to this. I mean, he's one of those guys like myself. We, I can talk deer with him um, for many hours and into February, March, April, May, June, July, like when everyone else is, you know, barbecuing and thinking about the fourth, I'm still thinking about deer. Um, he's one of those guys as well. And he was quoting some ridiculous numbers, 70 or 75% or something. I can't remember exactly. You might have to comment on it when he hears this podcast, but um, he is a, you know, down to the gnat's ass, excuse my language on everything that he sees. And he's actually one of the people that we got a lot of our, um, recommendations from uh on the pro staff concerning uh the hunter's journal yep so a lot of his input goes into that yeah i taught i taught bo everything that that he knows about deer hunting Um, (laughs) he he, he, uh you you hit the nail on the head with him he will talk deer and turkey he will talk turkey so don't go down that path unless you're ready to get to really you know add to your to your dialogue um, but he is a jam up fella. He helped me, uh, dissect some Southwest Georgia land and, and he and I talked about Spartan Forge most of the year. So it, it's, um, he, he's a good guy to, to be getting feedback for, yeah, for sure. It, it was crazy too, because when he was getting back to me, I was like, Oh my God, this is like so high. Like one of the things that you worry about, like I should say as like a business owner or somebody in data science, you start getting worried when people start talking about how well something performs because then you're like, crap, this won't be the experience for everyone else. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, like, am I doing something wrong? So when he would tell me these things, I'd, like, go back to the data, make sure everything was sound. I'm like, all right, this is the way he says it's going. And, I mean, for him, he said it was, yeah, very high numbers, and I can't quote exactly what it was. But, again, he keeps such meticulous notes mm-hmm. um, and, and what he does with photos and all of that stuff. So, again, just – you know, that, that type of input is exactly what we need. And those types of hunters are exactly what's driving the direction of the company. For sure. Chase, I, I took the reins back after I gave them to you. So that's all the floor is yours again, sir. <laughs> no, those were just a couple okay. of the things I was thinking about okay. when, uh, he was talking. So, uh, just, a f- and then everything else I was just kind of taking. Gotcha. In, okay. So I we can move on. I, I, we had a whole podcast the other day. And I talked the entire time, and afterwards I apologized to Chase because I realized he may have said like six words. I felt really bad, so <laughs> we're, I'm trying to remedy that on this episode. Um, okay, so uh, got some follow up questions for you. These are questions sure. that people uh, have uh, expressed, you know, comments, made comments about, or asked questions, and so I'm just going to pass those along. Um, yeah, I noticed and other people noticed that zip, zip code rut dates sometimes in the South were a little wonky. I know you talked about that. Um, why, why don't you kind of give everybody a summary of what's going on there? Yeah. So everyone who's emailed me about that and I've had probably four or five people who've gotten back to me on dates and they've either said like, you know, I would say the majority of them say you're just barely off on your dates. And then some of them say a couple times I've been told I'm way off. And I think it was actually Alabama where a guy had gotten back to me and said that we were way off. So there's two ways that we get this data uh, specifically for the South too. We're dealing with the organizations that are, you know, pulling um, car collision deer off the road and measuring fetuses and then coming up, you know, back programming and saying, this is the date of conception. And some of these organizations, some of these people, um, highway safety traffic organizations are getting, you know, uh, biologists are getting deer through them and they're measuring thousands of deer in a year. Um, that's one point of contact for getting our peak rut dates. The second one then is academic journals. So peer reviewed academic journals are another places um, that we're getting these. And then the third place is if there is no data out there, if nobody's measuring fawns, then I will um, contact uh, QDMA regional coordinators or I will contact um, biologists in the area through biologists that I work with. So 
on the ones that I've gotten so far, there was also one in Louisiana, I believe. What I'm doing is I'm trying to come up with peer-reviewed scientific studies that would back up what a user is saying to me. So if a user comes to me and says, hey, Bill, you know, the app for my county says October 15th is prime rut. And actually it's something like, you know, November 1st or, or something along those lines. What I'll do is I'll go to the science. I'll see what the science says. Then I'll see what that user says. And, and it seems to me that there's two situations that come out of this. The first situation is the user's right. Our date was off. So we've changed a few off of that, right? And that's usually because we found science or the science that we'd found was old or I fat fingered an, a, an entry because I did all of this data entry myself. Um, and then there's the second one. And then the second one, I'd say, probably makes up about two thirds of the data or of the of the people getting to me. So someone will come to me and say, hey, you know, Bill, your, your thing says peak rut here. And it says, let's just throw a number out there, November 15th. But actually, you know, what we see out here is, you know, peak rut every year is like November 10th. And, you know, me and my grandfather have been hunting here. And our best day in the woods is perennially November 10th. So there, and this, I would say, makes up about two-thirds of it, that is a semantic problem. And the semantic problem is when people hear the word peak rut, and I, I'm using it from an academic um, perspective. And what that means is this is a day where the most does are standing and willing to mate and, with a buck. And most hunters will call that lockdown. In other words, they're get, it's, it's the rut, they're getting out into the woods, but they're not seeing any deer. So they must be under, they must be on lockdown. When hunters look up and see a date on the Spartan Forge app, how they should internalize that is they should say, anytime, you know, 14 days leading up to that, I should expect there to be some peak chasing and peak movement happening. Um, and then 28 days later for, you know, two weeks and then up to a week after seeing that type of, so really what we're giving the user, and that's why we have secondary right on there is my thing is take that date and then use about two weeks before and about a week after in the South. And then up North it's tighter. It's more like seven days before and three or four days after. Um, those are the days that you should be trying to get into the woods as much as you can. So it's probably something too, where I need to, you know, there's a couple of drop downs that aren't evident. We'll make them more evident in the future, but I believe there's a, there's a, there's a primer or an explaining, um, little, uh, entry below that date that kind of says what exactly it is you're looking at. So certainly, um, if the data is correct, and the most majority of does are standing that day, then you would expect to see your smallest amount of bucks in a given day on that day, because they're actually all, you know, mating. And, you know, a lot of times when bucks are, are courting a doe, they will move them to an area where they don't have to compete anymore and try to get them out of the way and lay down with them and, and mate until, you know, the doe is done and then move on. So if you are hunting a particular buck that's shacked up with a doe, you need to be right on top of them in order to see them. Um, so I, I guess that's the kind of the two ways that that value is getting misconstrued. So if somebody's basically I'll summarize it this way, if that date is for in the South is, is within two weeks, two to three weeks of whatever you think your date is, then you should stick with that date because all that I'm saying is it's a bell curve. Those will start coming into estrus about two weeks before that date. And they'll continue to go come into estrus for about a week after that until their next cycle. Makes sense. If yeah. They're, if they're not mated. Yeah. Well, and I think some places are 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 difficult too. I think at one point, um, uh, you, you mentioned about you know Florida is like this really bizarre animal where I mean, you've just got a heat map of just random data points, and and that's that's why you're testing it. That's why you're taking back the feedback. So or taking the feedback, I should say. Um, yep. So I mean. It's definitely and I also think Florida is going to be one of the harder nuts to crack mm -hmm. too, because um, I've, I, I have found peak conception data for a bunch of WMAs in Florida and they can be like four miles apart and have like a month apart in dates. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's insane. So, I mean, <laughs> for that area, it's going to be difficult to nail it down. I mean, the, there's, it's a bad and a good, right? Because the, the good part is, you can have a rut going anywhere in that state at any time. And that's kind of the way it is for the Southeast. When you get south of the Mason Dixon going down, you don't have to travel far to find peak breeding. 
Um, the bad part of it is uh, you can be a mile off or two miles off and there's no mating going on or the mating's already taken place um, and you're not, you know, taking advantage of that, you know, daytime activity. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a give and a take. For sure. So how about an application? Is a, how far are we from having Spartan Forge predictions on our phone from the tree stand distracting us from uh, paying attention for the deer we're after? <laughs> so here's another situation where my co-owner is going to kill me um, because we just talked about this earlier today. He used this expression. I, I, you know, I told him I was doing this podcast tonight, and I kind of wanted to push the envelope to see how much I could open the Komodo and talk about what we're doing. And he's like, well, I mean, you can tell him about the app, but, you know, that's kind of like throwing a hat over the fence. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? He's like, well, you got to go get it. And I was like, I don't still don't know what that means. Like, what are we saying right now? And he's like, well, if you put that out there, you know, we need to have it done by that date. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just put the disclaimer that it's not an exact date. So right now, um, as we're developing our application, we're trying to be done by 1 July. But there's a lot of functionality that we're throwing into this thing and, you know, a lot of long nights and testing. And um, we're trying again, we're trying to make it a very, very good app that's not going to fail. There's not going to be any bugs. There's not going to be any of that BS like all of that will be worked out right now. We're targeting July um, and then the worst case scenario, I think, would be August. Um and, and the application is going to have a ton of functionality. And, and I, I, I should I should say this as well for your users. Um, as we iterate and we add each one of these um, pieces of functionality, right now, uh, you know, most of the cost for this program is the storage. We have tons and tons and tons of data, mm-hmm. um, and that that's, drives our storage costs. So as we introduce something like you know, 30 years of of weather data for every um, locality in the U.S., that there's data there. Um, so the price increases not much, basically enough to um, uh, bring that functionality to bear. It doesn't really change how much money we make off the app. So for your users who sign up now, they'll for the life of as long as they're a Spartan Forge customer, they don't break up with us. They will never see a, a, a price raise. So even as we add this these historical scouting features that we talked about earlier, um, I foresee the price going up probably two or three dollars. While that might not be a lot for a lot of people, for I'm cheap and it's a lot for me. So, um, you know, if they sign up now, they won't pay that. And then as we have an app that comes to the app store, um, if they signed up now, they won't pay. They won't have to pay anything additional for that. Um, you know, our goal is to basically have at some point a free tier and then a paid tier. Um, but for right now, we're just a paid tier. So, um Again, my co-owner might kill me, but um, yeah, we're, we're targeting right now July um, and with a worst-case scenario of 1 August. That really would be huge, though, because there were a couple times that I could not um, get the browser, uh, like, like to get, it just seemed, it seemed like I could open up Facebook and, Facebook, oh my God, what the heck? I, there were times I could open up Facebook and get it to respond, but a browser would just spin and spin and spin, and I think if you could maybe have some kind of, you know, app where you could pull it up. That would be like banging awesome because I yep. think, I think yep. it, it, you know, weather patterns shift as well. Um, well, my- I think that was actually our number one complaint. Uh, I mean, we never really got complaints against, and, and in fact, I'll have to go back and talk to the person that handles this uh, or look at the queue. I don't think we got one prediction um, complaint and, and, you know, we're North, we're into the thousands of users right now. Oh my god! And I don't think I don't think we got one person who said this thing is crap. Like it's not predicting well. Blah blah blah. Maybe that guy will go online and do that now that he hears this. But what we did get was <laughs> our our chief complaint was this needs to be an app. Like mm-hmm. I need this to be an app. And then I think our second thing was people seem to like to play with apps. Like they don't want just static data presented. They like to kind of like tool around with things. So a lot of people said, you know, like there's just, you know, I get my prediction and there's not much else going on. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that, that was the point of the app this year was to see how people reacted to the prediction piece. Um, and so as we, you know, introduce these historical features and stuff like that, people can interact with the data more and go back and poke around. And then there's other much bigger things that, you know, I can't talk about today, but that will be coming out where there'll, there'll be a ton of interaction and a ton of things you can do with the application. But yeah, I mean, f- to me, 
those are that those are good complaints to have. Like basically, we like what you're doing. This needs to be an app. And then also, I'd like to tool around with your data more. Like that. Those to me are like those. Are, those are an engineer's wet dream. Like that's perfect. Exactly. That's <laughs> sure. what I want to provide you. <laughs> well, my final follow up question for you, and this is a simple one. How did it perform for you? How'd your deer season go, dude? Because we talked to you before deer season. What? How did it end? Yeah. So, my early deer season in October, I killed a good buck in North Dakota. You know, nothing to write home about. But what I would, what I thought was a good, it was old. It was an older buck. Um, and then getting into West Virginia, this was my first year hunting West Virginia. <clears throat> I'd slayed a few does pretty early and gotten some meat in the freezer. And then um, the public land that I was hunting had some good spots, but I just was still kind of learning West Virginia mountain bucks. And I don't remember the day. I want to say it was something like November 13th or something like that. I had an awesome interaction, or I should say, I'll tell a story so everyone can have a good laugh at my expense. Um, (laughs) Had some doe come in, and you wouldn't know that, you know, I've been hunting for as long as I have because I just left the bow on the hanger. Um, I was up in the stand just kind of standing there. I think I was maybe eating something or some beef jerky or something. I think the doe kind of caught my scent. Couldn't tell for sure, and this was like on a mountain, like a logging trail, I guess you would say, and I was quite high up. Um, I think it took me two and a half or three hours to get to the spot. Um, and I'd been up there all day and I didn't grab my bow. I don't know why. Um, she was kind of looking at me. Maybe that was why. Maybe I can t- make myself sound smarter <laughs> and say I didn't grab my bow because she was kind of looking at me. But anyway, she was kind of interested in my position and then she just kind of went back to feeding. And then not, you know, a minute after she went back to feeding, I heard the grunting and this buck just came through and it was, it was a big it was a large it was a large deer and he had a drop tine on his right side and i've never killed a drop tine deer i was just ecstatic to see it and as soon as i reached for my bow the doe saw me and like jetted off of the trail and the buck never saw me he just kept following her um and, and took off and that was my first big public land interaction and then my second big public land interaction was and I think I've told this story online, so I won't I won't belabor it too much. But I had a big nine pointer. Um, I'm sorry, not a nine pointer, a six pointer, a very large six pointer, and was up a hill for me that I tried to put a stock on, and ended up stalking right by some does that were like bedded behind a bush that I didn't even see, and they um, just blew up a storm at me. So that's kind of how my West Virginia hunting season ended this year was getting skunked twice on very close encounters. Um, my North Dakota hunting season went well, and then I managed to kill a, a few more doe here. And then um, I also hunt out in Maryland and Virginia. Um, I actually have been hunting with one of our pro staffers. Um, uh, his name's Taylor Chamberlain, um, and out in Virginia as well. And um, put some doe on the ground with him, or I should say, one doe on the ground with him. And um, and yeah, so I mean, season's gone great. Um, it's not all about bucks for me getting meat in the freezer for friends and family is the most important thing. And, uh, the antlers are just a bonus. So I guess, I guess success is the way to, is the way to say it. That's awesome, dude. It's always good when you find success being the guy creating a mat, this thing, right? I mean, like, do you, do you ever feel like there's any pressure involved? Like you should shoot a booner every year. Um, I, I guess for me, it's age and not inches. Um, and I did kill a pretty old buck this year. So for me, it's kind of like I, I, I hang my hat on that. And, you know, I, how can I put this? If somebody wants to chase big deer, I'm all about that. And I was that for many years. And I you know I've killed some big deer. Um, and I certainly understand that. And it is something I want to do. Don't get me wrong. I love chasing antlers. But for me, success is kind of measured in, you know, just am I harvesting deer? Am I having a good time? You know, that's kind of my measurement for success. And for the app, we're trying to build it around people who don't have the time or the resources that they would like to have to go and scout. Or like I I mentioned that situation earlier where a guy can't run a bunch of cameras or do as much scouting as he wants to because he's, you know, a full-time, you know, um, he's got a full-time job or she has a full-time job. What we're trying to do with this application is make that process as easy as possible so that they can um, optimize their time and get on some animals 
And for us, if that happens, then that's success. You know, one of our pro staffers is that we just brought on is a guy named Andy May and his, his, his Instagram um, tag or his moniker on Instagram is bow hunting dad. Um, and, and that kind of sums it up right there. Right. Like I, uh, I have four kids. I coach um, my son's basketball team. I've coached uh, my daughter's basketball team. I've done assistant coaching with football. Um, I've coached football teams. You know, I don't have a ton of time. And now that I'm doing this, I have almost zero time. So the app for me next year, if it puts me on some deer and it optimizes that amount of time in the woods, that's how I measure success. So that's a long convoluted answer, but basically, um, I don't, I don't feel that pressure right now. Um, because how I measure success, um, is, is what we've talked about. And that is, you know, just having a good time in the woods um, hunting with friends, sharing that experience, and then getting the youth involved, which those are also my goals as, as a company and as a person. Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I can't argue with it. I shoot whatever walks out and gets the blood pumping. I've got no yep. no qualms about it. Chase is in a different league, and somehow we managed to be friends. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and I say all of that. I'll say all of that, but then, you know, I wouldn't be a warrant officer in the air uh, in the army. And that's a joke for your veterans. If I wasn't paradoxical. So I'll also say we're building a buck, big buck model for next year. So we've gotten <laughs> enough, we've gotten enough mature animal data, both bucks and does that we're going to build a mature animal model. So, and, and this might be like very interesting and it's something we can talk, you know, ad nauseum. I could talk, this is probably my favorite subject since I've gotten into the data science realm of the whitetail. They're almost not even the same deer. <laughs> Like when I you talk about like a four and a half year old plus deer, and then you talk about all of the other deer in the deer woods, and you look at the the distributions of the data and what is normative behavior and what's not normative behavior, and how does the machine predict for each one of them? Uh, they're, in my experience, they're almost their own species. So with that being said, you know we are going to be building a mature buck model, or we are building a mature buck model right now. Um, and we may call it a mature deer model. I'm not sure because I got to look at how the data lines up with um, matriarchal does, like your four, five, six, seven-year-old does. Um, so yeah, um, now now I've got. There's a paradox for you. <laughs> I measure success <laughs> by this, but my company's coming out with this um, because it, there is also that you know that side of it where um, you want to challenge yourself, and maybe once you've put some doe meat on the table or you've put some small buck meat on the table. And you've gotten some pictures of a large animal um, or a mature animal uh, that you want to target. Uh, now that's that requires a different set of tools, and that's the, that's what we're bringing to bear. So that mature buck model and the vegetative analysis and the um, topographic analysis um, and all of the other features that we talked about, um, you know, that is another venue or another way for to get people interested in hunting. Because certainly for me, through my late twenties, it was. I can't tell you how many good bucks I've kicked myself for letting walk because I knew there was a bigger one on the property um, that I was hunting at. And I, I'll go back through my old phone pictures and be like, what was I thinking not killing that deer? Like, <laughs> what, what kind of idiot am I? Um, there's always this one that I've talked about before, but it's this really cool deer scars all over its body. It's got like a jacked up like eye that's scarred over. Every time I saw him on the hoof, his antlers were all busted up. Um, I've seen them work scrapes probably a dozen times, but I always knew there were bigger deer on the property that I was hunting. I say property, it was public land, but on that public land property, I knew there were bigger deer and I never harvested them. And now that I'm looking back at those pictures, I'm like, what a cool deer with a ton of character and what a douchebag I was trying to, you know, chase these 160 inch deer um, that, you know, I might have three pictures of. Meanwhile, this guy's all over the property kicking deer up and down. I mean, this guy just fought and fought and fought and was just a badass deer. And um, I, I get sore every time I think about it. I'm getting sore right now talking about it because <laughs> um, I wish I had har harvested that animal. Um, so, you know, it's got everybody's got to have their balance, right? And um, I wish I had been a little bit more balanced at that time. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've I've never passed up an animal, so uh, maybe one day I can I can join you in in in, in misery. But uh, I've never <laughs> never passed anything up. But 
Well, as I'm working more and more on these apps, I think there's going to be a correlation with my amount of misery experienced in the woods because I've not done any shed antler hunting. I've not really <laughs> done anything preparing myself for next season. So um, if misery loves company, buddy, um, we can split the hotel room. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to have a really rough season next year because I've usually by now I've, you know, I've got a dog that I've trained to shed antler hunt um, and he's amazing. And, um, we, I haven't done anything along those lines. I've, I've not done any postseason scouting or anything. Um, and not because I'm, I don't want to, I want to, but we've been working on this application so much and it's dominating my time. And, um, you know, uh, it's the measure of a good man that can make the sacrifices. Right. So I'm trying to make that measure by sacrificing what I want now with something I really know I want later. So I'm prioritizing my time with this application and spending time with my family in the off season. So, yeah, I'm probably going to be a miserable hunter next year. <laughs> well, here, here's the deal, man. Uh, on behalf of the entirety of Chasing Tales Nation, we thank you for uh, <laughs> sacrificing all that time so that uh, we can be better hunters because uh, Lord knows I need every bit of help I can get. We all do. We all do. <laughs> Chase, do you have any uh, any follow-ups, anything that pop up to mind? Uh, no. No, it, uh, it all sounds good. It sounds like it, it's going to take a lot of maybe some of the other work that we kind of focus on, like trying to catalog deer and doing all these other things, having Excel spreadsheets yeah. and stuff like that kind of out of the equation. And we'll be able to focus more on the hunting part of it as opposed to what the barometric pressure is and moon <laughs> phase and all that is. It's already done for us. So it's just less we have to think about and more time in the woods that's absolutely right i mean i'm not trying they're, they're, i'm trying to make an easy button for anybody i'm just trying to streamline the way that we consume data increase the bandwidth right that we sure. can in which we consume data so that we can be just as ethical um when we're in the woods um you know and and, and that's the, that's the long and the short of it for us i'll also say you know at some point i know we've talked it but for your patreon users if they want to do a one-on-one or anything like that and pick my brain I'd be happy to do that for you guys. Um, I've got some interesting, you know, if you've got, if you guys have some more real deer nerds um, that want to see the data and go, you know, I can show them data and I can take them through, um, you know, patterns of deer and what, how the machine recognizes pattern and movement. And, you know, I'll, I'll share my screen with them and take them through it. So, I mean, if they want to see that type of stuff or you got people who are interested in that type of thing, um, it takes a particular type of deer nerd <laughs> um, to be able to sit in front of a computer and, and look at, you know, normalized distributions of deer movement on a bar yeah. graph. But if you got guys who want to see that, I'd be happy to take them through it. Well, see, I, I see a perfect opportunity here because we recently kicked off what we call the off season live series, where we go live inside our Patreon portal and we talk to them about e-scouting, all kinds of different stuff. And one of the things people asked is that we bring on guests that can share their screen and do some scouting and stuff like that. Seems like this would be a, a, an awesome opportunity to have you come on, do a Patreon live and, and take us through some, all this dude. I think this sounds like it would be a fun thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, the good news is, uh, I get to announce something really cool, really exciting here. Um, it's been in the works for a little while now, but I, I didn't want to say anything until we had a chance to have you on the, the show, but we're going to be partnering with you for the, for the 2021 season. And I, I am amped about all the things that are coming that you can talk about, that you can't talk about all the different fun things. I mean, it seems like this is just as we, we say on this show, a guilt-free endorsement. It makes it so easy to support a company like you because you make it so easy for us to, to use the product and, 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 and endorse it guilt-free. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, everyone that I've dealt with, you know, um, when it comes to pro staff or with organizations that I work with, um, other things that I'll be able to talk about later or with um, podcasters that I'm dealing with, you know, I really appreciate the people when I'm engaging with them and they're like, yeah, this is all great. But, you know, kind of like you said, I'm skeptical. I'd like to look at this before I push it. And and that is one of the things that I admire most about this community. And uh, uh, not being in this sector before, not knowing how it all worked, I was I was um, happy to hear that response as many times as, it, as I did. And in fact, when there when I had reached out to people, and they just immediately went to like, you know, here's my kit, here's what it costs, 
sign here on the line and I'll talk about your product. And I was like, all right, man, maybe not, maybe no thanks. Mm. Whereas the major, everyone that I'm working with right now and everyone that we've brought onto the pro staff has been, you know, let me look at this. Let me look under the sheets. I want to poke around. I want to know what's going on. How does this work? You know, all of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I just posted it today on Instagram about our new round of pro staffers and every one of them I had that experience with. And every one of them I spent countless hours on the phone with talking about deer and scenarios and, and data and that, you know, the exact same situation that I just talked about doing with your Patreon users. I've done with every one of those guys. Um, so for me, it's been a great experience and I'm happy to be working with you guys. And, um, I, I think we're going to be able to do some good things for people going forward, um, both through information and through the application itself. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be a good time. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I know you got some, some cool things coming. I have faith having worked with it this past year season that, uh, you're not going to give up until it's doing exactly what it, what it needs to for people. And, um, you're approachable and it, it just makes it easy. And, and honestly, it was one of those things where throughout the season, I found little things like this zip code was off or so there was one time I, I told you, you know, like the models are all just flat across the board. Something's not right. And every time I, both those times I said something to you, I was like, Ooh, am I going to alienate him? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to send it anyway. You know, he asked for me. I even, I think I even said to Chase, I was like, I don't want to tell him that I found something. And Chase is like, he asked for it. Just tell them, like, okay, yeah. here we go. And and never once were you gruff or, or indignant or anything, man. So, um, no, absolutely not. I mean, th- this model is not about me. This model is about the data. So, I mean, the more accurate that it becomes and the more flaws that people find, the better because, you know, honest customers are a, are a business person's best source of learning and growing. Sure. Um, and, you know, we, we, I would turn down that information at my peril. Um, I want as much of that as possible. I, I, I want people to poke as many holes in this thing as possible. You know, it's kind of like having a friend who doesn't tell you you're acting like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to, you know, <laughs> if he's going to allow you to walk around acting like an idiot and, and not tell you or not sit you down and set you straight, he's probably not a friend worth having. It's the same thing with customers. You know, I want people poking as many holes in this thing as possible so that we can make it the best product possible because I really do believe that it can be that, um, and, and, you know, working with guys like you guys and other people going forward, I think is going to be a recipe for success. We agree. So why don't we do this? Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, uh, both the website and, you know, so your social media handles. And then um, what what is the current cost to get locked in right now? So um, current cost right now, I believe, is twenty four ninety nine. Um, we do have... Um, uh, a discount code for your for your um, usership that offers 25% off, um, which I think ends up taking it to about 19.99, and that's for the year. And like I said, if they lock that in now, they will uh, have that cost forever, no matter what we bring on board. And um, I, I do see somewhere on the roadmap where this thing will probably end up costing something like 79 bucks a year um, if we cheap. implement every feature. If we implement every feature that I'm talking about, we'll probably be somewhere in that in that price point, unless Amazon <laughs> raises their rates on data storage or 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 that, those types of things. That's about what we're looking at. And then, as far as finding us online, they they can go to SpartanForge.ai. Um, on there, all of our um, you know Instagram, Facebook, all of that is linked at the bottom. Um, and then on Instagram, we're just Spartan.Forge, um, and they can get to us. You know. Um, any one of those ways and and we appreciate feedback and and you know i regularly talk to customers so if somebody you know hits us on that support link and wants to talk or whatever i'm you know i'm engaging as many people as i can right now about this as long as i'm as long as i have the bandwidth so i'm happy to talk to anyone about this um and uh yeah you know i I see good things coming for all of us absolutely man well hang on one second i'm gonna wrap this up but we want to chat with you afterwards guys Here's, here's the bottom line. The weather is beautiful almost everywhere but the Midwest right now. So if you're listening to this and it's, it's cold outside, you get a pass. But for the rest of the country where it seems like it's warm and sunny and the cold weather has passed, do me one favor. Get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.